0: Alright, welcome back uh, to our uh, Songs of the Heart series, where uh, where we explore the fact that for every emotion of the heart uh, of life, that there are songs written down. Uh, songs recorded in the book of Psalms, with a P, located in like the middle of the Bible. And we kind of go through, we've uh, looked at the Song of Envy, and uh, last week uh, Brian led us in the Song of Worship, what we do on Sunday mornings and throughout the week. Um, Today, as we begin, I want to establish some common ground. Uh, I think that we have all been in the place, uh, third grade, second grade, first grade, somewhere around then, uh, where we go through this rite of passage when the bell rings on the playground. (laughs) You know exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody goes outside, they select the activity of choice, and then there is a selection committee of two people called captains. I don't know how you become a captain. I never had that opportunity, but I would love to. Uh, (laughs) Two people are selected out of the group to then select the teams. And there is a herd of people lined up waiting for their name to be called, waiting to be chosen on one team or the other. doesn't matter which one. And one by one, as the teams are selected, The field is whittled down and whittled down and whittled down. There's fewer and fewer people. And then, of course, there's so few people that it becomes almost to the point of embarrassing. And and you're just like waiting for your name to be called. Even to the point of when it's between you and the tumbleweed that is like blowing through in front of you. And the tumbleweed is chosen first. (laughs) Your name never gets called. It's more so like, okay, I'll take the rest. And you have your team. The whole time, wondering to yourself, like, when is it when I won't have to do this anymore? When is it when this is done? Whether you can articulate it or not, when is it that I won't have to be lonely anymore? Not for a while is the short answer. Uh, fast forward, something like 6th uh, grade, there's no more uh, captains, team selections, or at least that's been cut down. Uh, now it's the 6th grade skating party at Woodland Skating. <laughs> and you're rocking it out with all your friends, and they're playing MC Hammer on the loudspeaker. Uh, some of you fill in whatever name that, that sounds appropriate for you <laughs> for your skating party. And then there's friends gathered all the way around And then M.C. Hammer turns into Brian Adams or something like that. And the lights change from like the bright lights and the flashing and the colors to a spotlight on the disco ball. And friends start pairing up with each other. Before you know it, you realize uh, everybody has a partner and they're now skating together. What do I do? And so the same question comes up. Almost as if uh, revisiting that lonely field one more time, saying, "When is it when i don 't have to put up with this anymore? When is it will I not feel lonely anymore? Uh, it gets worse through high school, uh, dances, uh, prom culmination, college done finally, no more." And then there's like the three years after that, when you thought pairing up at a skating party was bad, now they're pairing up and calling it weddings and marriages. And it's a lot more permanent. And you go to like 30 weddings in three years of all the friends who have somehow met each other and paired off. And you're saying to yourself, when is it? When is it when I won't be lonely anymore? When is it? When all of this will be behind me. Uh, As you may have guessed this morning, we're going to take a look at uh, the book of Psalms, continuing our Songs of the Heart series. And we're going to open it up to Psalm 22 in just a moment. Uh, We're going to look at this as the Song of Loneliness Only the song of loneliness was written by uh, David, at the time, king of Israel. And by the time he writes this, we're not talking about loneliness on the playground or at the skating party or later on in life. Uh, David's loneliness, by the time he gets around to writing out this psalm, has taken root and has grown into rejection, isolation. It's grown into feelings of abandonment. And now, as we'll see, loneliness has turned into feelings of being absolutely lonely forsaken. We're going to take this piece by piece but the first section first line verse 1 Psalm 22 my god my god why have you forsaken me why are you so far from saving me so far from the words of my groaning a couple questions first of all you might say can you say that to god and i will say um wait we're going to get to that in a few weeks And the song of frustration or the song of lament. You should come back for that. Next, <laughs> just have to point out this word forsaken, not one that we use a lot. The, when David wrote this in his uh, original language, when he's writing out the song of loneliness, the word that he uses is a sav. The word, as he says it, is most often used not to refer to the loneliness of people, but the loneliness of places. Most of the time, that uh, forsaken azav is used for David is referring to a, a vineyard that's overgrown, unpruned, uh, of a farm that has just been left unattended for years and years and years. And there's rocks and there's weeds. It, it takes more work to get that thing uh, ready again than it would be just to start over someplace entirely new. When David uses this word forsaken, he's not talking, most of the time, he's not talking about people, but a place. He conjures up images for us of the house at the end of the street. The one with the notes taped on to the front door notices the one that's overgrown of weeds. There's grass in there somewhere. It's the house at the end of the street that, with a fence that's missing posts. It's the house with blinds down, lights off, but the blinds are crooked and broken in some places. And you just know the house is forsaken. It's abandoned. And David goes there. Only it's not talking about a place, but he's talking about himself. He's saying, I am the vineyard, the farm, the house that has just been left. Why have you done this to me, God? As we go there, though, I don't just want to jump into where he is. Because my guess is he's been feeling this song for a long time. And so it's not just zero to forsaken. It's not just a family living in the home one day and everything's fine to foreclosure they're done the next day. There's a process that they go through. For the house, it was a happy family in there sometime. They had Christmas together and they did Easter together. But somewhere along the line, there was probably a job loss or an illness or a kid that goes to college or a massive recession. Something happened that made a bill not get paid, that made a notice get sent to their box, that eventually led to the foreclosure, that eventually leaves it abandoned and forsaken. In the same way for David, something happens and loneliness begins. He revisits the field, the playground where he first learned loneliness. And that takes root and turns into rejection and turns into isolation and turns into abandonment. And then he says, the house, the house is me. That's my life right now. How could anybody care about this thing ever again? Lots of questions. One of them, like where did this begin for David? Because I'm guessing that if we can identify some places that he's visited, some playgrounds of loneliness, and find out what those are, perhaps we can avoid them. Isn't a lot of songs that we listen to, they're poetic. There's not a whole lot of back history involved. You sort of get what's on the paper, which oftentimes is not a whole lot. But there are clues in the song, in the song the next one is in the next verse. You might notice, by the way, that these, uh, some of these verses are not uh, ordered in the, uh, numerically. They're sort of arranged topically for us to see here. If you're looking for the whole psalm and it's entirely what didn't fit on the page, uh, go ahead, Bible Gateway, open up a Bible at home, um, look it up. It's like right in the middle of the Bible, Psalm 22. But this is the, one of the clues that he gives in verse 6. He says, I'm a worm, not a human being. Scorned by everyone, despised by the people. If you're taking notes, uh, just in the margin there, if you can squeeze it in, just write the word shame. What happens for David here is that he realizes he's inadequate. We don't know if he's talking about his leadership skills, about his, uh, uh, about his job as a king. We don't know if it's a, as a husband, as a father, anything. We just know he says, listen, there's a standard here, and I'm down here. I'm a worm, not a man. And as if that wasn't enough, I know it, and everybody knows it. A scorned by everyone, despised by the people, David is shamed. And so he starts to pull back and think of the words to the song of loneliness, of forsakenness. There's um, a book that was written a little while ago, won uh, numerous awards, called The House on Mango Street. The the storyline is about a girl who's essentially trying to get out of her neighborhood away from this house. And she's bumping into characters that have or haven't done this. She's just wondering, why is it that no one can leave? How is it that poverty, as an example, can be so restrictive? One of the chapters in the book, she's having a conversation with her mom. And her mom tells her, you know, I'm not as, essentially, I'm not as uh, dumb as you think, paraphrasing here. There was a time, I was a smart cookie, still am. The reason I dropped out of school was because I didn't have the right clothes. We might say they're not trendy enough, they're not new enough, they're not stylish enough. I didn't want to take that anymore. And to to tell you the truth, I was smart enough, I didn't need school. As the main character kind of processes this, We, as the readers, come to the realization, shame is a powerful tool that systematically pulls us away from what we'd like to see happen into something, a choice that is essentially made on our behalf. It's one of the reasons for David, in his song of loneliness, he says, this is how I got to the point that I am now. At one point or another, and we don't really know what it is, but he says, shame moved into my life and found a room in that house. You could say he visits the lonely playground called shame. Next verse, 11. Again, talking to God, do not be far from me. For trouble is near and and there's no one to help. I'm guessing most of us in the room here, when we're looking for help, (laughs) pull out of your cell phone and just go through and there's probably a hundred people in there who could offer some kind of help. David is recounting. Trouble is near. Don't know what it is, but there's no one to help. Essentially, friends Family, uh, they're not around, or at least if they are, they're inadequate and can't help. <laughs> Makes me uh, think of uh, a very too familiar situation of uh, families in uh, economic situation that we're moving around looking for anything. Uh, I got a friend in-laws who are from California. And that's home, and they love it, and they're, they've raised their kids. Kids have moved away, all the different places. That's where they're going to be from now on. That's where they're going to retire five to ten years from now. And then things crash, and the housing industry doesn't seem like a great one to be in, especially there where they live. And so he's looking for opportunities everywhere. Finally, one comes up. It's perfect. pays good. Work is good. It's exactly what they're hoping for. It's in Oklahoma. And they're wondering, not should I take it or not, but what are we going to have to do to make this work? How does this change things? And so you and I, we look in our phones, and there's a hundred people in there who can offer to help if we need a ride, if we broke down somewhere. He is now looking in his phone and saying, there's a hundred people in there. There is no one to help. If you're um, taking notes continually, write uh, down in the margin there, uh, you can write down like abandonment or just left. Whether he left, I'm guessing for David, it's kind of the opposite. People left him. He didn't leave people. He revisits the playground of loneliness called abandonment. Verse 14 and 15. I'm poured out like water. My bones are out of joint. Heart turned to wax. It's melted within me mouth dried up like a pot shard my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth you lay me down in the dust of death um i clearly don't work in the medical industry but i think you did and you're realizing this is a song the music of which was lost a long time ago but you might say um, hang on here this is like a chart of somebody's symptoms like you can't go through here and say poured out like water strength is lost bones are out of joint i'm achy my heart has turned to wax it's melted within me i don't feel good my mouth is dried up tongue sticking to the roof of my mouth and then this last telling like you lay me down in the dust of death it's a a euph- euphemism of saying listen I'm sick, I'm not doing well, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it out of this or not. I know it's somewhat anachronistic, but I think of David lying in a hospital bed with tubes coming in and going out of him, waiting for test results to come back and saying, I don't know if this is the end or not. And usually there's friends and family around to keep me company while I'm here, but right now... It's just me and my thoughts. And opening up his journal or a sheet of music, clicking his pen and writing down the words to the song of loneliness. We have questions. David has questions. Like, why would God care? Does God care? And then why on earth would he possibly care about me? And we sort of identify in with that and say, if you don't care about David, a king that you picked out, why on earth would you ever care about me? Uh, Verse 4. Moving back up a little ways. He says, In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. Again, taking notes, in the margin, if you can squeeze it in there, just write down, consistent. Answer to the question is, why on earth would God care about somebody like me? David says, I don't know. I don't have a good reason. But to tell you the truth, you've cared about my dad. You've cared about my granddad. You've cared about all of my ancestors stretching all the way back. There are stories after stories after stories about times when people were in a bad spot and no one was around to help them. There were times when people found themselves on the playground of loneliness time after time after time, and God did something. I don't know why God would care about me, but I believe that God is the same tomorrow as he was yesterday. And if that's true, if God is consistent that way, then I don't have to know why. Because he does. But he builds on that. Every time he visits the playground of loneliness, of being forsaken, he returns with an answer of why God would care. Verse 9 and 10. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me feel secure on my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you've been my God. There are few pictures in life. There are few experiences in life that are just so vivid, so real, that point towards helplessness so clearly as a newborn baby. Chris um, and I had the opportunity to visit a couple people who just had uh, babies. Uh, and just holding them, again, it's just remarkable i mean can't eat by themselves can't drink obviously kind of goes together the, it, sleeping is hard on their own even which is incredible i mean nothing can they do on their own i mean talk about helplessness By the way, this is a little tangential to our conversation right now, but sometimes you see we do these baptisms on Sunday morning, and we bring kids forward as well as adults, and we say, grace works this way when we're so utterly helpless. God speaks first. And pointing to that, David says, there was this time when I was so completely helpless, that in need of God, resting on him. He says, you brought me out of the womb. I love this last line. From my mother's womb, you've been my God. <laughs> Before I ever even realized it, you were there. You were my God. In the margin, you can just write Trust. Not only were my parents and grandparents leaning on you and you helped them and I believe that you're consistent, but also I was helpless in a time when I don't even remember. And you brought me through. And so God, I trust you. Verse 22, he says, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I'll praise you. It's just like, hang on a second, David. You've done a pretty good job visiting the playgrounds of loneliness, talking about shame, abandonment by friends, and so forth. But you're still on the playground, man. There's nothing in the text that says, okay, I was here, and it was bad, and I was asking myself the question, when will I not have to put up with this anymore? you're still there how can you make a statement like in the assembly i will praise you isn't that traditionally like wait for him to act and then (laughs) offer up the praise david says hang on wait a second we just stop right there uh what you're talking about being on the playground of loneliness of being forsaken This is just like a timeline issue. He says, the fact that God hasn't yet intervened in my life, the fact that God has not brought me away from the playground of loneliness yet, means nothing. Because he will. Because he's consistent. Because I trust him. He will. And to be honest, just a timeline issue. If I have to wait... I guess I'll just wait a little bit longer, but he will. And as long as I know that he will, why not offer up the praise in advance? Because after all, just a timeline issue. The last question is how? How does God act for him? In just a moment, I'm going to finish reading the whole psalm, and we can notice a few things of it. But first, though David may or may not have gotten to see God rescue him from the playground of loneliness, we have to see later on. Some of you, I could see it in your eyes as soon as I read it. These words sounded familiar in verse 1, where he says, The words of the song of loneliness, My God, my God, why have you abandoned, forsaken me? Words, a song, sung from the cross of Jesus Christ so many years later. From the words of Jesus, one of his last dying breaths, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The root cause of being forsaken, rejection, isolation, all of these things leading back to this song of loneliness. The root of all this is company, is not experiencing the presence of another. One commentator on this, far smarter than I am, said, okay, wait in this progression that can lead into a very dark very intense sort of depression there is a stop in place here is to say if we continually talk about the i that's the that's the road it's going to go down the commentator says for david in his psalm there is not only i but there is also always thou you for David, when he's venting and he's saying, listen, I visited this playground of loneliness and this one, and I've asked that question, when will this be over? And I don't get answers and don't get answers. And I'm just told to wait. I do trust you. I, I do believe you're consistent and you will act. But when? The problem here is not the fact that he's just venting. The solution comes when he's venting To someone. He's offering up these words. And he's not just throwing them out there. But he's speaking to the one. Who can and will. Act. The one who did act. If the root problem of all of this. Is company. Of loneliness. Our God is one. Who goes down. Any road necessary to find the one walking alone and meet them there that's what jesus was doing on the cross among a lot of others he's saying i will become lonely alone forsaken to meet the one in their loneliness forsakenness abandonment if that's what it takes i will do it and so God acts. Notice something as I read the rest of the psalm. Notice how up until this point, uh, it's been singular. I mean, it's, uh, it's I, and then this happened. they left, but there's just me anymore. There's a, a switch that happens for David after uh, 22 and 25 to the end. I'm going to read the whole thing interrupted, and I just want you to hear the, the, the words about the great assembly, about the people gathered all around, the, the plurals. From you comes the theme of my praise and the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I'll fulfill my vows. The poor eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over all the nations. The rich of the earth feast and worship. See the little play, uh, poor and rich here. Everybody in between. All go down to the dust, will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations told about the Lord, they will proclaim his righteousness, declaring it to a people yet unborn. He has done it. He's done it. If the root of the loneliness, feelings of forsakenness, is being alone, David looking a very long time into the future says, He has met me in my loneliness. And now I have company. And so do we. Let's pray together.